We give a warm welcome to everyone to public worship this evening, both to those in the church here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 40. It's page 259 of the Psalter. It's at the beginning of the song. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay, and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm number 40. I waited for the Lord my God. the song that we have just been singing. 3,000 years ago, the psalmist's ability to wait was exercised. We seem at times to have so little patience. Patience with one another and sadly patience with you, the great living and true God. But we pray that we would remember this. That the things you put into our lives to exercise our patience are put there to mould and to fashion after your design. And if it were not for that, we would make shipwreck of our faith entirely. We pray that we would gird up the loins of our minds that we would have our minds prepared in the right way so that we can deal with whatever our lot in life is. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would realize that 
your thoughts towards us are way beyond number and we are embarrassed that we have lived so much of our lives when we haven't even considered you thinking about us far less give thanks for that um, grace that has been given to us we look around ourselves in this world this night and we have so much to be thankful for we look at the devastation in places like Turkey and Syria we watch these things on our television screens and we just cannot enter into the sheer agony and anguish but even if we can't enter fully into these things may we consider what we have and be very thankful for your kindness to us each day we look at the war front and the Russian Ukraine conflict and our prayer is that you would bring down those who are in positions of power and influence who are abusing those positions we think of other areas of the world where people are living in degradation and poverty and pain and anguish O Lord our God may we all cry from the depths to you because you are the living God and you hear us we think of the political turmoil that we are in as a nation at this time and we would ask you to strengthen those who trust in you bless and encourage those who have the wind in their face and who are being accused of all manner of things simply because of their righteousness we pray O Lord that you would give to us in the leadership of our nation those who would fear the Lord and who would acknowledge that righteousness alone exalts a nation O Lord our God have mercy on us not that we deserve it but we ask it because you are who you are may things turn around and may we put you in the position that you ought to be in may we respect you may we acknowledge you may we reverence you and may we fear you be with us all we pray with whatever fears and anxieties we may have in life's journey and we all have our share but we pray that the end effect of these things would be to usher us further under the shadow of the wing of Jesus of Nazareth we thank you for everyone that was gathered here this morning and for those who joined with us in other ways we pray that you'd bless little James Gray and his family and indeed all children associated in fact everybody associated with the, the congregation and wherever your people are gathered across the globe this night we pray that you would be in the midst to bless hear our prayers and all we ask is in Christ's name Amen now let's sing again to God's praise it's uh, Psalm number 106 and it's at verse uh, 40 that's on page 143 of uh, the Psalter now, now it's an interesting song this because it recounts uh, God's dealings with uh, his people of old and it recounts th that people's dealings with God and so often they're going in opposite directions and God does something to bring, bring them back in line and, and it just goes through that, that history you know we can write off these songs but we do so at our peril this song is about going back over the history of God's dealings with his people and there's nothing new under the sun
And we'll pick it up at verse 40. So the Lord was angry with them, and his people he abhorred. Gave them over to the nations, and their foe became their Lord. Subject to their enemy, they were treated cruelly. Many times he showed his power by delivering his own, but they set their heart on sinning and rebelled against his throne. In their sin they chose to stay, and they wasted quite a way. We'll sing verses 40 to 48. So the Lord was angry with them. I didn't realise that the next psalm we are taking is the same unusual meter. We don't mind at all if it's the same tune that's uh, that's taken. I didn't appreciate it when I was uh, choosing the psalms. At any rate, let's read God's word as we find it in 1 Samuel and uh, chapter uh, 27. 1 Samuel and uh, chapter 27. And it's at the beginning of the chapter. David has to flee um, from uh, his own people uh, to the bitter enemies of Israel to find refuge. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maoch, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath. 
he and his men, every man with his household. And David with his two wives, Ahanoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's wife. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favour in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of the country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. And now we'll read in chapter 29 at the beginning of the chapter. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek. And the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest. And to me it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign, for I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. And we'll carry on and read in chapter 30 at the beginning. Now when David... And his men came to Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahanoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake 
and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the six hundred men who were with him and they came to the brook Bezer, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men. Two hundred stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezer. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten his spirit revived for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to Amalekite. And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We have made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb and we burn Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped. Four hundred young men who mounted camels and... I'll go back to the beginning of of 17. And David struck them down from the twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. And David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil, or anything that had been taken. David brought back everything. David also captured all the flocks and herds and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Peser and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share in is for as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statue and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag he sent part of the spoil to his friends. The elders of Judah saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth of the Negev, in Jatir, in Aroer, in Sifmoth, in Eshtimoah, in Rachel, in the cities of the Jeramielites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hormah, in Borashan, in Athach, in Hebron. For all the places where David and his men had roamed. Amen. And may God bless to us these readings from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God. As we read these passages of scripture. We are reminded once again that there is nothing new under the sun. In one group of people there can be those who are God honoring. And there can be others who are of the very opposite ilk. And these two worlds are at loggerheads. 
They were 3,000 years ago, and they are still at loggerheads this night. But we pray that we would remember this, that you reign supreme. You raise one up and you cast another to the ground. It is by you that kings reign and princes decree justice. And we pray, O Lord, that as we turn to explore this word this night, that you would enable us to glean from it such as to strengthen and encourage us uh, as we go along the way. We pray this night that you would come in with us and you would bless us and indeed go into the homes of others who are joining with us in other ways and indeed into the hearts and lives of those that we love and are part of our family bonds, whether literal families or or a congregational family or church family. We thank you ultimately that the great privilege of any human being is that we can turn to you and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, to be able to be part of your family and to eternally dwell with you in your midst is a gift beyond our comprehension. But that is the gift that you bestow upon such as we are. And so we pray this night that you would have mercy on us afresh and come in amongst us and dwell with us richly and do us good. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue to sing to God's praise this time. It's in Psalm number 51 on page, on page um, 67. Psalm 51 at the beginning. O my God, have mercy on me. In your steadfast love I pray. In your infinite compassion my transgressions wipe away. Cleanse me from iniquity. Wash my sin away from me. We'll sing verses 1 to 15 of Psalm 51. O my God, have mercy on me.
Now let's turn to the, rather no, I'm going to turn to the metrical Psalms version of Psalm 25, the Scottish Psalter, first version, on page 232 of the Psalter, and we'll read at um, verse 17. I'll actually read what's on the screen uh, first of all. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. But in the metrical version, my heart's griefs are increased. Me from distress relieve. And we've been going through this psalm for quite some time now. And uh, we want, by God's enabling, to seek to explore something of what David actually says uh, here. His heart's griefs are increased me from distress relieved. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Now the thing about the Psalms is very often they talk about things in a general kind of way and we can't be sure. Some of them we're very sure about. For example, Psalm 51 that we've just been singing was written by David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and uh, murdered his, uh, her husband uh, Uriah in an attempt to cover the whole thing up. So it's very specific that. But we can't be sure what he's talking about in other areas. But I want to go into some of the history of David tonight and look at some of the things that uh, caused him a great deal of, uh, a great deal of uh, distress. That enlarged his, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. And, and in the midst of it, he's crying out to God to be brought out of these distressing things. And the three areas I want us to look at this evening, um, and there, there are many others that we could look at, but the first I would call uh, the trouble he had with our ruthless leadership, i.e. King Saul. And uh, secondly, I want us to look at what I might call a divergence of enemies. Because David goes to the enemy camp and some of his enemies are for him and some are against and it creates all kinds of problems for him. And the third thing I want us to look at is what I would call the vulnerabilities of family. Because that, what happened to David's people at Ziklag almost broke their hearts. So these are the three areas I want us to touch on. Ruthless leadership, divergence of enemies, and the vulnerabilities of a family. Well, first of all, uh, what about uh, ruthless uh, leadership? If we go back to First um, Samuel, we've read there already, First Samuel, and at chapter uh, 27, this is what we read of David. Let's set it in context. King Saul is the first king of Israel. Because of his rebellion against God, the kingship is going to be taken from him. And Samuel is sent to anoint David, and we looked at that last Lord's Day. But although David is anointed as king, it is going to be another 15 years before Saul is dead. And David is recognized by not all of Israel as the king, but some of Israel. It will be another seven and a half years after that before all of Israel will recognize David as, uh, as king. Now, we might think this. God has chosen David as the second king of Israel. With God behind him, everything should just fall into place. Now, wherever we get that thinking from, we don't get it from the Word of God. Because David is going to be the second king of Israel. And ultimately, it is God himself who will see that David is on the throne of Israel. But the problems he has to face along the way are just so many and so extensive and so great. Now, let's not think for one moment that they were wasted years. Now, now, before I say anything more about that, it's not as if David acted in that whole scenario in a wholesome manner, because he didn't. 
because we've picked up on some of that in the passages that we've read this evening. He, some of these passages, it's difficult to know exactly what's going on, but we'll come to them uh, by and by, particularly when he's living alongside Achish, the king of, uh, of Gath. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is this. When God chooses someone for a position of leadership, they may have to wait long enough before they're actually in that position. And there may be many, many hardships that come the way of that individual or individuals along the way before they are effectively in their, uh, their positions. I could well imagine David at some stage and amongst all the burak that his life was in saying, I can't handle any more of this. There are far too many problems. I'll just go back to being the shepherd I was as a teenager before I got involved or before God got me involved in all of this. But in actual fact what was happening was this. When the wind was in his face and he was battling a tide of opposition, God was molding him and God was fashioning him and God ultimately had him where he was meant to be. Just because things are not plain sailing in our lives, just because there's great adversity facing us, it doesn't mean that God's against us. It doesn't necessarily mean that eh, at all. But if we go eh, to um, 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Now that really is quite incredible because the bitter enemies... The bitter enemies of the uh, children of Israel, the people of God, were, were the Philistines. There were, <clears throat> there were battles galore, and we've explored some of that. We saw the asset that Goliath of Gath was uh, in the armory of, of the Philistines until uh, David came along, and by the enabling of God, turns everything on its, uh, its head. And I think it's important to remind ourselves of this, that in a world full of adversity and in a world full of difficulties and struggles, if we have God at our backs and if we have God on our sides, astonishing things can happen. But it is amazing that David is thinking. I think it gives us an insight into the sheer difficulties that he faces. And I'm in amongst his own people. When he can think, do you know what? I'm going to be safer among my bitter enemies than I am going to be amongst my own people. There's something far wrong. There is something far wrong. And of course, the something that's far wrong is fallen human nature. You know, King Saul, he... he he was so in favour of David. He so admired David. He so promoted David. But you know, at the end of the day, he kind of made a god of David. And, and in our warped human fallenness, so often we can become iconoclasts with the gods we make. The gods we make, we want... Uh, and that we want to adore and worship one day, we want to smash to smithereens the next. And that's what happened with David. Saul had him on a pedestal one moment, and then when he saw that David was becoming more favorable than him, his jealousy raised its ugly head, and he just wants to smash the God that is David to smithereens. And he goes at it relentlessly. There are times when Saul's conscience comes into play and he starts feeling sorry about the whole situation and he seems to be sorry for David, but I think at the end of the day he's more sorry for himself than, than for anyone else. And that's one of the great struggles 
that day King David or he's not king yet he's been chosen to be king that's one of the great struggles that he had a ruthless leadership and what I mean by that is this you know people that are in leadership they have obligations to the eternal God and when they start forgetting who they are and what their obligations to God are you can get all kinds of difficulties coming in the way ultimately King Saul became a dictator he's not listening to God he had no right whatsoever to be trying to kill uh, David no right whatsoever because the law of God was thou shalt not kill now I know there's such a thing uh, so at least we believe there's such a thing as a just war and there are principles of a just war but none of that comes into play in Saul's trying to trying to kill uh, to kill David Saul becomes a ruthless ruthless a leader and you know we might think well you know we live in a democracy and that kind of thing can't happen in a democracy but let's not kid ourselves it can and and it can happen in a democracy when good people will stand back and do nothing when evil prevails that's when they, and of course that can happen in the political process but let's remember this that can happen in the ecclesiastical process as well you know some of our churches are hierarchical the Roman church is hierarchical the Anglican church is hierarchical ultimate power rests at the top that's not the way in Presbyterianism in Presbyterianism power lies in the bottom if you like it, it lies within its, its membership that's where real power lies but if you get within the membership people who are just willing to stand back and do nothing while evil prevails, you can hijack democracy within the church as well. And that can create all kinds of problems. But here is our ruthless leadership. And as far as King David is concerned, it's going to be better to go to Achish. And you think, now how on earth does that work? How is he going to get... How is Achish going to accept him? Simply because he can see that David and his men can be a mercenary force. I was reading yesterday that the Wagner group has about 50,000 mercenaries in the Ukraine right now. And again, there's nothing new under the sun. That's the way mercenaries say operate. You pay your money and you get them to do whatever you want them to do. And, and Achish can see, well, this man could be a, an asset to me. And, so, and, and I think David is thinking ahead. That's the only reasonable explanation now as to how we, we can think of him going to the bitter enemies and, uh, and being uh, accepted. So there's a major problem for this man, ruthless leadership. But the second thing I said was divergence of, the, of enemies. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 29, this is what we read now. The Philistines had gathered all their forces at Afik, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. And there's nothing new here. The Philistines and Israel are going to do battle again. Nothing unusual about that. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? Can you see what the problem is? You see, Achish has seen David, and Achish is trusting in David. And Achish doesn't have a problem with him. But the other leaders in the Philistines know who he is. And they're now going to fight against David's people. And they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we get into the heat of the battle and he changes sides, that's going to work against us. He's not coming. You can see how their minds are working. And Achish is going to David and he's saying, I don't have a problem with you at all. I trust you implicitly. But the other guys with me don't. So you just can't come with us. I'm really sorry about this. But that's the way it is. Now I did say that in this period of his life, David didn't act all that honorably. Because, you know, 
It's hard for us to get our mindset around this in this day and age of texts and Facebook and uh, mobile phones. We know what's going on across the world just like that. It wasn't like that in these days. David was going off and he was engaging in battles with Philistines. But he wasn't telling Achish that he was doing that. He was telling Achish he was doing something else. So it looks as if he was telling him lies. But then, we're not above telling lies. Even as believers, as I said this morning, we're not claiming to be perfect people. We're still doing battle with this thing called sin in our lives every single day. But it wasn't very honoring of David. And here's my dilemma. The Philistines really are the enemies of God's people and David is effectively dealing with some of the enemies of God's people so I guess that's acceptable but he's telling Achish another story entirely, absolutely entirely but at the end of the day here's the divergence among the enemies Achish is saying he's my man, he's going with us I trust him implicitly and there are others who are saying he's not going with us and that leaves David in a real dilemma or does it leave him in a dilemma because I think here's another dilemma for David I'm with Achish now I'm with the Philistines and now it's time for the Philistines to go to war with Israel am I going to fight against my own people Maybe David was relieved to get himself out of that tangle. But you can see that it's not straightforward. You can see it creates turmoil in his experience. And I think with everything else that's going on in the life of David, the last thing he needs is more turmoil. But that's, that's what he's got. But the third thing I said we would look at was vulnerabilities of a family. And in in chapter 30 at verse 1 we read this you see when, when this is all happening when David is away from the town that he's been given by Achish Ziklag for he and his families and this men of war and their families to live in when, when he's away and, and the decision hasn't been finally made about whether he's going or not the Amalekites come now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the woman and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And listen to this. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. These were men of war. These were men of valor. These were men who could take things in their stride. But they were men. And you see the big problem for them was this. It's their wives and it's their children. It's their sons and it's their daughters. And they've gone. And there's no mobile and there's no text for them. For one of them to send a, a quick message to say. We're all alive. It's okay. Our cities are, the city's gone or, the, or our town whatever Ziklag was. It's all been burnt to the ground. But we're okay. He doesn't know that. Nor do his men. And, and here's where. Here's where the frailty of. Being fallen humans come in. The men around him. They're in, this, they're in the same boat as David himself. But you know what they're ready to do to David? They're ready to stone him. Now if David wasn't down enough already. He's even further down. He's even further down eh, now. But listen to this. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul. Each for his sons and daughters. And who can blame them? Who can blame them? 
for being bitter in their souls because of the loss of their sons and their daughters and their wives. But in their bitterness, they're ready to stone David. Listen to this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his his God. Now we've read the rest of this chapter and we know what the outcome is. The outcome is this. Not one of them is lost. Not one of them is lost and all the spoils of war have been retrieved. And you get this insight into the depravity of human nature again. There were some of the men that were too tired and too exhausted and who couldn't go the whole way. And so they were left behind. And when the spoils of war are taken, and these men must have been so relieved, not just to have the spoils of war, they must have been so relieved to have their wives and children back again. So relieved. And you would have thought that these are the people of God and they would have given honour and praise to God. And I hope that some of them did, but they didn't all, that's for sure. Because you know what some of them are saying? These guys that have waited behind that were too exhausted to come with us, they can have their wives and children back, but they're not getting any of the spoils. And David has said, wait a minute. That's not the way it operates. That's not the way it operates. Even although they had been left behind, they had looked after some of the baggage. Whatever was left of them, I really don't know. But you can see how the mind of man works. What was behind all that? There was one thing and one thing only behind that. It was pure greed. Greed. That's what it was. More for us, not for them. And David is saying, that's not the way we're going to go about uh, this a uh, business but there are all these challenges well we've picked up on three of them there could be many more that we look at living under that ruthless leadership and all the problems that created uh, for him leading under divergent enemies where one wants to go one way and the other wants to go the other way and you're caught up in the turmoil in between and then caught up in the vulnerabilities of families uh, around you know it's easy for us to think of David being out there as a man of war and being such a champion but the harsh realities of it is that there were so many everyday things that he had to attend to that escape our minds but as we read this in the word of God God is bringing us back to what the harsh realities of life are like even for those who are to the fore and who are being built up to be leaders in the kingdom of uh, of God but at the end of the day in this particular song, my heart's griefs are increased. Me from distress relieved. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. In other words, we know what the outcome ultimately was. David turned Godwards. And this God did not forget him. This God did not forget him. Do you know ultimately David would rule over Israel for 40 years. That's a long reign. That's a long reign. And he would extend the borders of Israel enormously. Enormously. He was a king who did great things. But to get to that throne in the first place, there is so much heartache and so much trial and so much trouble and so much distress. But he turns heavenwards and asks for relief. And that's where he gets it from. And that ultimately is where any of us, and hopefully all of us, will get a relief from. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we pray that we would delve into this book that you have given to us that tells us just so much about ourselves as human beings, but that tells us so much about who you are as the divine being.
We pray that you'd go with us and all whom we love to whatever you are calling us to. We pray that you'd weld us together as a family of your people and we pray that we would remember one another and pray for one another and seek relief for one another as we go along life's way. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> now let's conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 126, a song that speaks of a great turnaround in the experience of God's uh, people. Psalm 126, when Zion's bondage God turned back, as men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. They among the heath and said, The Lord great things for them hath wrought. The Lord hath done great things for us, whence joy to us is brought. We'll sing the whole song to God's praise. When Zion's bondage, God turned back. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and above.